sermon series today called Doomed to Repeat. Uh, we're kicking off the new year with a new sermon series, and um, you'll understand this series a little bit more as we go through it uh, over the next several weeks. But uh, I want to start off this morning with this thought for you, and uh, I think we've already sung it a little bit, and uh, I'm going to continue with the theme. I really enjoy, I appreciate our worship team and Sarah, who puts these songs together, she's so intentional about finding songs that match and work and flow with uh, the sermons, and I really appreciate that. The, the first thought I want you guys to dig into a little bit today is, God is faithful. As you think about that, I want you to think, have you ever found yourself on what you might call the hamster wheel of spiritual formation? Kind of the... The idea that it just keeps turning and turning and turning, but the view doesn't really change, right? Spiritual formation, something that we're striving for, we're growing into, becoming more uh, like Christ, and yet years go by, and New Year's start, and old years end, and it just kind of looks like we're doing the same thing. I mean, it can be difficult. It can test our patience. It's frustrating. It's kind of like that idea that when we uh, want to lose weight, and we hit that certain weight, and we just can't quite shed those next 10 pounds, right? It just, the body doesn't change. Or that fitness level, we're trying to reach a new plateau, and, and we just can't quite break through to that next level in our fitness, or, you know, you name it, right? There's all kinds of things that we bump up against, and spiritual formation falls into that category oftentimes. But one of the great things about a new year is the sense of optimism, right? The, the sense that things can be new and different. But to be different means that we might have to change some things. We know that, right? That's not rocket science. But we want to learn how to stop repeating history. And in order to do that, we have to learn from our past. Maybe try to learn from our mistakes or reframe our thinking a little bit and our behavior to try and set our sights on some new goals with some new determination. So that's kind of where we find ourselves as we kick off 2019. And the lessons from the Old Testament in the Bible can really help us with that journey and with that process. If we were to dig in, and we will here in a few minutes, we'll find that the Hebrew people, the Hebrew people of the Old Testament, they are known for having a fairly short term memory, right? Uh, they are known for having appealed to their flesh. They're known for having relied a little bit on what they could see. Um, they were prone to break laws. They were prone to violate themselves and corrupt God's plans for them. But then, of course, they would repent. And, of course, they would turn from those ways and turn back to God, and God would forgive them, wouldn't he? And the process would then repeat itself. Sometimes it can feel like we are doomed to repeat because we're prone to the same things that they are. But we have their mistakes to learn from. We have the aid of what they went through. And also, in that process, we have the aid of God's faithfulness, the reminder of his love and his journey with them that helps us. And that picture of his faithfulness can encourage us towards something new and something different. 
So we serve a very faithful God. We serve a God who never gave up on the Hebrew people, and he doesn't give up on us either. So as we move forward, I want you to remember that God promised to deliver his people into the promised land. And he did. God promised to deliver a Messiah, a Savior, and we've just talked about that, and he did. God promises to send his son to return and redeem the earth once and for all in the future. And he will. We can be sure of his promises because they never fail. And as we start out this series, I want you to keep that big picture in mind. So, if you have a handout in your bulletin, you want to follow along, I provided a handout for you, and you can take some notes today if you'd like to. God is faithful, and he will keep his promises. So as we get ready, I'd love for you, if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 1, we'll read along. It will be on the screen. If you want to read it from the screen, you can read it from your devices or an actual hard copy of the Bible, which is in front of you as well. So... However you want to follow along today. Keep this thought in mind. God's already working a plan that includes you. God's already working the plan. And that includes you. So before we start with Joshua, and we're going to look at the first chapter, the first nine verses. But what do we know about Joshua? Just real briefly, Joshua wasn't the author of Joshua. In fact, Joshua was written by a historian, probably about the 7th century uh, B.C., probably around the time of King Josiah, and they were trying to remember and recall and look back at the story of Joshua and how the people came into the land. It was probably something to um, inspire the people and also to give King Joshua some encouragement to go and do what he thought he wanted to do in terms of the kingdom and uniting the kingdom and that sort of thing. So it was written by a historian. There are many historical facts in the book of Joshua. But if you read Joshua carefully, you'll understand that it wasn't meant to be a chronicle of the history as much as it was to be a testament to who God was to the people in that journey. And so they took all these concrete facts and they kind of distilled them down into theological principles. Who was God to the people and how did he help them achieve the promise that he had already made? So that's one thing that you need to know about Joshua. He was called the Lord's servant, but not until the end. At the beginning of Joshua, he is just simply Moses's aide, Joshua, son of Nun. It actually, if you were to compare it to some other chronicles in history, you would find that the story of Joshua looks a little bit similar to other countries and their stories of conquest and their stories of military conquest at the time. And so there's some parallels to how the book of Joshua is written. But the primary difference in the book of Joshua with some of those other chronicles is those other chronicles put the attention upon their king or upon their military leader. Joshua very firmly and squarely puts the emphasis upon God. God is the leader of this nation. And the writer of Joshua, the historian, attributes, because the story is about Joshua and gives the the book the name, but he also wants to make sure that Joshua is known for who God is to the people, not just about who Joshua is. 
the book of Joshua is about the promise that God made to his people and the fulfillment of that promise. It's a continuation, if you were to read in the story, it's a continuation from Deuteronomy. So if you go back one chapter earlier in the Bible, just turn it over a page and you'll find Deuteronomy 34 and you'll hear about the death of Moses. Moses has passed away and some of you might recall that story where Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land because he disobeyed. This prominent, one of the most prominent leaders ever for the Hebrew people Moses disobeyed God and God said, I'm sorry, I can't allow you now to enter the promised land. So they had to wait out Moses. In the meantime, they disobeyed, right? And so they were also wandering around the desert for approximately 40 years. So that's the context that we're going to be digging into here for just a couple of minutes. Let's read together verses 1 and 2 of Joshua chapter 1. Uh, When I say read together, you follow along. I'll read it out loud. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. Again, if you'll recall, chapter 34 of Deuteronomy chronicles the death of of Moses. It's now time, says God, to move forward. That generation that rebelled against God, that generation that was um, not trusting of who God was, they're gone. Moses, who rebelled against me, disobeyed me that once, he's now dead and ready. I'm ready now to fulfill my promise for you. Almost everybody was dead, right? Because Joshua wasn't dead and neither was Caleb. Uh, Both of them were spies and went out to look in the land, and both of them were promised a place because when they came back, they said the land was good. And God said, all right, those two are going in, but everybody else, sorry, you don't trust me enough. But that whole generation is now dead, and this is the transition in Joshua chapter 1. It represents for the people of Israel a turning point in their salvation. Joshua, the name, means the Savior, right? To save. That, that's kind of the idea behind Joshua. It's a similar name to, well, it's the same name that Jesus has in the New Testament, right? So this idea of the people's salvation, they thought it was coming through Moses and the deliverance from Egypt. But Moses is now dead. And so there's sort of this transition, but God is still God, and God's still going to accomplish his promises, isn't he? So the idea is that there's this act one, if you want to call it, all the things that lead up to Moses' death, and now there's this act two in the salvation promise into the promised land. I think it's important for us to remember in this that God's promises are not dependent upon people completely, right? They're dependent upon his faithfulness. So that's really important where we could sometimes lose focus. Sometimes we can put our faith in the people around us or we can look to somebody and say, they're the Savior or there's that person. We, we put all of our emphasis because that's something that we can see. But God is saying now, it wasn't dependent on Moses. It's not even really, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, dependent on you, Joshua, but you're the next in line and I'm appointing you, that I'm commissioning you to take over this that I put upon Moses' plate. 
The actors change, but the promises, they live on. Joshua is Moses' protege. You might call him in Star Wars term his young Padawan, right? That's who Joshua is. He's the apprentice. There would never be another Moses, but Joshua was in position to lift that mantle and carry it forward. It reminded me as I was thinking about it for this year, the opportunity that we all have today and kind of over the last several days to flip the script, to turn the page a little bit into 2019, to put 2018 behind you, right? We need to look ahead, but sometimes we need some closure on that. How many of you watched any of the news channels over the holidays? I don't know if you did, but one of the things that I really like is around December 30 or December 31, they do these video montages of the people that have left the earth as of 2018, right? Those that have passed away. You know, it's usually the, the big names, the, the Hollywood stars, the sports stars, the big names. But I really like it. They do a great job with it, you know, and they put it to music and they, you know, it just it evokes images of things. And for many of us, it evokes those fond images of growing up with these individuals, these people. Penny Marshall, for instance, Laverne and Shirley, um, Billy Graham. How many, we all grew up with Billy Graham, right? Um, Mr. and Mrs. Bush, President Bush. It's hard to believe they passed away in the same year. Kind of special sometimes. Aretha Franklin passing away. I mean, I was reviewing and watching this video montage of all these people that have passed away, and that's what came to my mind as I was thinking about these verses. Moses, your servant, is dead. This iconic, larger than life, next to God, in God's presence, what are we going to do without Moses kind of figure? And God comes to Joshua, and God comes to the people. He says, your servant is dead. My servant is dead, but now it's time for you to carry this forward. And of course, those are just the big names. Like we've, Some of us have had family or good friends pass away. It's always hard. It's always hard to reflect on moving forward. Sometimes we feel guilty about moving forward. Can we actually still move forward? Life's going to be different. Life is empty. Life, we don't want to violate their memory. We don't want to lose sight of who they were in our lives. And Sometimes it takes a reminder that God is faithful. God is still with us. And he will be with us as we move forward. The next thing I want you to notice with these verses is the idea of a gift. Notice there at the end, cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. The Hebrew language is important here. We're going to talk about a little bit of the Hebrew language for a second because in this particular verse it says, I am about to give them. The Hebrew tense there is imperfect. It means that it hasn't, in, from their vantage point, it hasn't happened yet. And so they're looking at this word from the Lord and they're saying, okay, you said it's going to be given to us. How many of us can put ourselves in that shoe? We're looking forward out into 2019. We don't know what it holds. Maybe we've heard some things. Maybe we have some plans. Maybe the Lord's spoken to us. We don't exactly know what it holds. And God's coming and saying, 
I have already given, I will give this to you as a gift, right? That's, that's the idea of the Hebrew tense of this particular word. It was always a gift. It, the gift and the promise go all the way back to Abraham. He's going to bring them, this people, into the promised land. This is what he is doing for his people. And so the promise was a gift from long ago. And he's now telling Joshua, I'm going to bring that one to fulfillment. Hang on here with me. Joshua just gets the privilege of bringing the people in. But notice in saying that, he's not saying that you're going to go take this land by military conquest. It's a gift. I'm giving you the land. You don't have to go take it. You don't have to go fight for it. I'm giving you the land. The gift was a fulfillment of a promise. He's setting early on in these pages, in Joshua's mind, he's setting the idea, this is my gift. You simply need to trust me. That's a really, really important, important point to remember. Because if you were to read verse 3, Some of your translations will say this, and this is the NIV. It says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. But the Hebrew language doesn't say, I will give. The Hebrew language says, it's already done. I have given. So you need to look at a different translation there, and you need to read those words in the sense that they were given by God to Joshua. On the one hand, it says, I will give. That's their vantage point. That's what they're seeing. That's from where they're standing. It's like you looking out on 2019 and not knowing the future. But God is saying to them, to Joshua, don't worry about it. I've already given it to you. It's a done deal. And therefore, you are not going to be the military, you know, you're not going to be the military leader of my people. I want you to be the spiritual leader of my people. I want you to help the people be reminded that this was my promise from long ago, that I am faithful, that I am true, that my promises are trustworthy. It's a reframing a little bit for Joshua, who's looking at all the enemy, quote-unquote, territory, and God's saying, it's not the enemy. I've already given that to you. Now you have to position yourself in such a way that you can follow my commands. It's an important distinction, um, and I've said it already, but let's just repeat. Why do you think that's so important? The conquest that they would take was not unto something uncertain. The outcome was already known. And for some of us, that's a good reminder as we start out 2019. It's important to position ourselves in relation to a God of abundance, as Dallas Willard likes to say, right? This God who supplied everything. We don't have a need, a want, or a care that God hasn't already supplied or considered. And as we kick off into our new year, 2019, this particular passage reminds us that God's faithful to Complete it. 
as much as we like to, and I think sometimes in Christian circles we talk about uh, taking things for the Lord, right? We talk about, and there's spiritual warfare images there, and there's just general warfare images there, and we want to go, you know, take things over for God. We want to pray into that space, or do this, or do that, and there may be a place for that. I'm not going to get into all that too much, but more importantly, I think we need to remember that our participation in God's promises relies on trust. Do we trust that God has done what he said he would do? That's what he's asking Joshua. That's what he's telling Joshua. You're not moving into something that you don't know. The outcome's already certain. Sounds a little bit like the New Testament, doesn't it, right? Read Revelation. We don't have to be uncertain about, I've, I've written it down, this is what's coming. It may not look it in our personal lives right now. We struggle with that a little bit. But it's coming. We can be certain. Joshua 1, 4, and 5 says this, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, that's from the south to the north, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, that's on the west, all the way to, I'm sorry, the east, all the way to the west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God promised to be with Joshua, to give them the whole land he promised to give Abraham. And if God is in charge, that means Joshua didn't have to be worried or afraid. Neither do we. We simply have to be rooted in him and trust him. These words remind me of some words that we've heard before in the New Testament. If you've read any of those, you might think of Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 and 19, the Great Commission, to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And how does he end that? You guys can say it. What is it? Surely I am with you always, right? To the very end of the age. Or these precise words you could also read over in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where it says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. These words are repeated from the Old Testament to the New. This is God reminding Joshua of who he was from the beginning and who he will be right to the end. God's promises in this case are trustworthy and in time you can be sure that they will come true. Strength and courage. These are the next few verses of Joshua. Strength and courage flow from trust, belief, and a constant meditation on his word. And this is where we're going to settle in for the next several weeks. Verse 6 says this, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. In these first nine verses happens, he says it three times. It's pretty important. He says it three times in nine verses. Actually, three times in about three verses. Be strong and courageous. But he's not saying be strong and courageous like 
power up, get ready, I'm sending you into battle, and you can take courage. That's not what he's saying here. This first be strong and courageous is number one, you can be strong and take courage because I've already given it to you. Be strong and courageous in me. That's what he's saying. I've already done it. We're not trying to get you to feel better about going into battle. We're trying to get you to feel better about the God that you serve. That's basically what he's saying. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people into the land I swore, that's, that's me, that's on me, to their ancestors, that's your ancestors. History says, I already did this, I'm going to give it to you. So be strong and courageous. For some of us, that needs to be what we take hold of as we begin 2019. As you begin to make a shift for your future, God says to you and to me, be strong and courageous. I said I would do it. I'm working out a plan that you can participate in. I will accomplish it. I want you to be a part of it. So be strong and courageous in me. You don't see the future yet. But at least in this story, we do. We get to look back on history and we get to see how God worked it all out for His people. And that is meant to be an encouragement to you and I. We take courage from what happened then so that we can look forward in our own lives and say, if God was faithful then, why can't I believe that He'll be faithful to me going forward? So be strong and courageous. But let's look at verse 7. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be, very, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So he shifted. Be strong and courageous because I've already done it. You can take courage in that. Now he says, be strong and courageous in my word. Be careful to obey all the law that has been laid out before you. This particular law that's being talked about there might be called the the Mosaic Torah. It's actually found just in Deuteronomy. That's what this is referring to. Not the whole of the Torah, but this what is found, Moses wrote it down, and God's saying to Joshua, just just follow what Moses wrote down. Deuteronomy 4.41 through Deuteronomy 31.29, something along those lines. It's, that's the section of Scripture that this is particularly referring to. And God is saying, just follow that word. Be faithful to follow that word. And I will be with you. I will be with you wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful, may be careful, to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The key word I want you to take out of this particular section here is the word meditate. Meditate on it. Day and night. Some of us have an idea of what meditation is. It's this thing we do quietly and 
contemplatively, right? We, we sit down maybe, or maybe we find a quiet space, and we just, maybe we close our eyes, maybe it's silent, and we just, we call that meditation. And, and it is, that's a form of meditation. But that's not what this word in the Hebrew is talking about. This word in the Hebrew, this word meditate, this word is an active word. It's not just sitting and letting it come to us. This is, I'm going to put this word on my lips and I'm going to recite it regularly. In fact, it even refers to the idea of mumbling. Just going, keep this book on the law, always on your lips, meditate. And you're just going over that. And over, that's the idea. I'm mumbling, I'm saying, I'm speaking God's word over and over and over again. Of course, I couldn't help but think of our Bible quizzers who actually talk like that when they're quoting, right? They say it so fast that it sounds like they're just mumbling. But that's what they do. They memorize God's word and they can say it fast over and over and over. You ask them a scripture reference and they'll give you that whole verse in five seconds or less. It's powerful. It's powerful when God's word gets stuck into your heart. Yesterday we were at a Bible quiz tournament and our our kids did fantastic. But at the end of the day, we had those who had memorized all the quotes for that month. We had them all come up front. And the group that was up front was just, it was big. It was powerful to see all these kids. And I had the coaches come up too. Coaches come up. And just how many of you have memorized God's word this month? And there were literally 40-ish, maybe, 40 people, 30, 40 kids and adults who had memorized all the quotes. But I didn't stop there. I had them share a testimony, one or two of them share a testimony. Because for me, and I've told the kids this forever, and I'm telling you today, it's not enough to just memorize it, to be able to quote it. If you're a Bible quizzer, that's great. And you can go win a few trophies because you can quote some verses. But if that doesn't lodge in your heart and in your soul, and if it doesn't apply to your life, and if you can't use it at a moment's notice to put it into practice to help somebody, to be a resource to somebody, then it's not doing what it was intended to do. Because it's not just for you. Yes, it applies to you and it makes a profound impact in your life. But it's meant to be shared. It's meant to be given out. Just as God is with us, we are with others and He is with others through us. It becomes, as we said at the beginning of the service, the power of presence. Are we truly present? Are we truly aware of what God is doing in and around us and through us? Are we truly aware of what God can do in our lives? You don't have to be a Bible quizzer to do that. You have to be a student of God's Word. You have to do what God told Joshua to do, and that is meditate on the Word day and night. God promises to be with his people. And he will be with us as well. That is the profound piece of Christmas that we've just come through, the Advent season. Emmanuel. We've talked about it over and over. God with us. Well, God is still with us. And on this day of Epiphany in the church calendar, when we celebrate this light, the fullness of God being revealed to the world and, and the Magi coming and finally revealing themselves and bringing their gifts. And this is the day of Epiphany. This is the day when the world becomes accountable for who Jesus is to the world. The light has been fully revealed. God promises Emmanuel, Jesus, 
And He will be with you and me through it all. So He says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And I say to you, take heart. God is with you. This year, as you're thinking about the future, as you're putting plans in motion for changes in your life and to potentially jump off that hamster wheel of spiritual formation and start seeing things change in your own hearts, your life change, your impact change. Can I challenge you to do a simple thing, the same thing that God challenged Joshua, where his strength would ultimately come from, and that is make a plan to be with him in his word this year. There are countless Bible reading plans that you can tap into. Type in Bible reading plan into your Google search and you will find lists and lists and lists of different ways that you can read the Bible. Open your YouVersion Bible app and you will see Bible reading plans. Read through 90 days. Read through in a 360 days. You can do it countless ways. One of the ones that I particularly like is called the Legacy Bible Reading Plan. It doesn't follow a daily pattern, but it gives you seasonal patterns and it puts books of the Bible in the context of the seasons and You're not reading them necessarily chronologically, but you're reading them thematically and theologically. There's different ways to read the Bible, but meditate. Spend some time. And put, if you can, if you would commit to, put Joshua 1, 8, and 9 to memory. Let that be our memory verse as we kick off this new series, Doomed to Repeat. As I said at the outset, we are not doomed to repeat though sometimes it feels like we are. But we do need to learn. We need to learn from those who went before us. And so we're going to continue that series as we work, uh, we'll continue that theme as we work throughout this series. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, and they're going to give us a few minutes. Uh, they're going to play a song. You can sing along, or you can just spend a few minutes reflecting. As we like to do, we like to create space in our service for you to be present, to listen, to respond. There's a card in front of you in the back of the chair, and if you're new today and you'd like to fill that card out and tell us who you are, that's great, but one of the sides of the card is a place for you to just jot down some notes, prayer requests, or other things that are happening in your life, and we have prayer teams that pray for that throughout the week. So we just encourage you to take some time now, however you feel led, to listen, to prepare. In just a few minutes, I'll come back and we will walk through receiving communion together. Let's just take this next few minutes to respond to what God's doing in your heart.